Thanks for listening. The following is an audio presentation from High Country Christian Church. For more information, please visit www.highcountrychristian.com. Hallelujah. Praise God. Make me want to run a lap. Hallelujah. I want you to agree with me this morning for utterance in the Holy Ghost. Paul um, asks the Ephesian church that, uh, that they would pray and agree with him for utterance to be given. Uh, and what that means is for the ability to speak and communicate the things that he'd seen from God, right? Uh, it's amazing to receive revelation. It can be incredibly difficult to share that revelation sometimes. And it can be challenging because you want to communicate it as effectively to others as God has communicated it effectively to you. And so one of the things that I've learned in my time of pastoring is that I, as a pastor, need to prepare and get my heart ready and go through the scriptures and do my due diligence, so to speak. But it's also very important that those who I'm speaking to be, be willing to receive and be excited and be expecting. So I want to ask you this morning if you would just help me today and agree with me for utterance from the, from the Spirit of God that I would have the ability to communicate what I have in my heart to share with you this morning and, uh, and really over the next couple of weeks. We're going to get into... Uh, uh, an extended message. I don't, I don't know whether to call it a series or, or what. But we're going to get into an extended message on the authority of the believer. We're going to be talking about the authority that God has vested in you. Amen? Do you know that you have authority this morning? Do you know that you have probably more authority than you realize? Did you know that you, probably, you have probably more authority than you're currently walking in? There's a whole lot that God has invested in us as His body. And so we want to take some time over the next couple of weeks to talk about that and to uncover some of these things. Amen? So I ask you for, uh, for your attention this morning and just help me. Help me, to re- help me to get all of it out. Can you do that? Amen. Let's make our confession of faith that we make together on Sundays. I never get tired of doing this, by the way. Hallelujah. Let's, let's confess it off the screen here this morning. Thank you, Father, that today the eyes of my heart see you, the ears of my heart hear you, my heart and mind perceive and understand your word and your will. Today I am growing in the things of God. Amen. Say, so why do we say that? Well, because we believe it. We expect it to happen. You say, I don't want to say that. Well, then don't grow in the things of God. That's not my problem. Amen. If you want to, that's fine. Hallelujah. So I want to talk to you for a few minutes today about authority. I'd like for us to turn to Luke chapter 10. Amen. Luke chapter 10. Thank you, Jesus, for utterance today. Thank you for eyes to see and ears to hear, Father. Hallelujah. Amen. Where's my phone? If I don't have my phone, I don't know how long I'm preaching for. And that could mean that you may or may not miss lunch. So, <clears throat> hallelujah. Glory to God. Luke chapter 10. We want to talk and take some time, like I said, over the next couple of weeks to, uh, to talk about our authority in Christ, to talk about what it means to, um, to be in the body of Christ 
and to see what Jesus has invested in us. God has really invested a lot in you as his child. And I think that it's time that we be reminded of that authority. It's something that we've talked about before, but it's time to be reminded of it. I always think of it around this time of year because we have, um, you know, a lot of sickness going around, right? And we find that we're dealing with it a lot. We've been dealing with it at our house. You may have been dealing with it at your house. I always think about the authority of the believer this time of year because there's, you know, there's just, there's a reason or there's a time for us to use the authority that's been given to us, amen? And so, um, so this has come up real strongly in my heart over the past couple weeks. And one of the things that I try to keep in mind, um, that I try to keep uh, in front of me regularly, is that as, as a pastor, it's my job to empower and to equip you, right? Ephesians chapter 4 says that, that the fivefold ministry is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, to edify the body of Christ. So part of my job is to build you up on Sundays. And it's for that reason that I love subjects like this when we're talking about the authority of the believer because it's an empowering and it's an equipping message, right? It's not my job, my, or let me, let me say it this way, my primary job as a pastor is not really to empathize with you, right? Now you just say that and you just take a risk just by saying that. Now, it is my job to empathize with you and be there for you. The shepherd's there to comfort the sheep, but it's not my primary job. My first job is to speak life into you and to empower you and to give you the word and to feed you and to give you tools that you'll need to uh, operate in your life from Monday to Saturday. Amen? If we're not having victory in our lives when we leave church, we got to scratch our heads and say, wait a minute, what's going on? Maybe I'm not doing my job very well. So it's, not, it's never my aim to just try to empathize with the needs that we have so much as it is my aim to make you victory conscious and not problem conscious. We need to be victory conscious and not problem conscious. Conscious of the supply, not just the demand. How many of you know that when life puts a demand on you, heaven has an infinite supply available to meet those demands? Can you say amen to that? So it's my job as a pastor to encourage you, build you up and strengthen you. This is why it was one of the challenges that I have with a lot of, a percentage anyway, of of preaching that happens nowadays. I hear a message or I hear somebody and, and I get on the message and I listen to it and the preacher starts going off and they just talk all about trouble and, and how difficult it is and the storm and they glorify the enemy. Oh, the storm's so difficult, it's so tough, it's so tough, it's so tough. And God's is like not even in the picture. I don't like preaching like that. You know, you know the thing about preaching like that? It's easy because it gets a response out of people. It's easy to get a respect. If I got up here and talked to you all about how real the struggle is, I could have lots of amens. Right? But it's not my job to talk to you about your struggle. You already know about your struggle. What am I going to do? Educate you more on something you already know? No, let's look at Jesus. Let's look at the answer, not the problem. Let's become victory conscious and not problem conscious. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
So I love messages that deal with this stuff like this, the authority of the believer, the promises that God made to us. Do you know the Bible says in 1 Corinthians that every promise is in Christ, yes and amen? Every promise God ever made is, has been yes and amen in Jesus, right? You know what amen means, right? You remember what amen means? So be it. Let it be done. Let it happen. Father, can we be healed of cancer? Yes, and so be it in Jesus. Amen. There's, been, there's so much that's been deposited on the inside of you. When you got saved, stuff got dropped into your heart that you're, it will take eternity for your mind to comprehend what God put in you the moment you got saved. That's real stuff. So we want to talk about that. We want to uncover our authority today in Christ. So let's go to Luke chapter 10. You're probably already there. We're going to begin reading in verse 17 and read down through verse 20. This, of course, is the story of the 70 disciples that Jesus sent out. He sent them two by two into Judea. And he told them, he said, I'm going to give you authority. Go and heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. Freely you've received, freely you give. He says that earlier in the chapter. And now verse 17 is where they're coming back. They went out and they did some ministry. They did some stuff. They went out and visited these cities and they ministered to people. Went out in the streets. The first street evangelists ever were right in this chapter. And they come back and they're so excited. They're so jacked up, man. They're like, Jesus, guess what happened? And Jesus is like, duh, I knew that was going to happen. That's why I sent you out. But watch this, verse 17. Then the 70 returned with joy. How many of you know that ministry ought to produce joy in your life? If ministering to people saps you of joy, makes you less energetic and less excited about the things of God, if you constantly feel drained when doing ministry, you're not doing it right. Ministry ought to produce joy in you. Can you say amen? Oh, I know. It feels like I'm being harsh this morning. I'm not trying to be harsh. I promise I love you. The 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Somebody say, all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. I love verse 21. I'll just read this little portion of verse 21. In that same hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit. You know that it gives Jesus great joy to see you succeed in the kingdom of God. It gives Jesus tremendous joy to see you and I operating in and walking in what He has invested in us. It gives Jesus great joy to see you healed. Because he died for your healing. And so when he sees you access what he died to give you by faith, it causes great joy in him. 
You see, we think sometimes that when we're asking something of God, we're, we're annoying Him. We're somehow taking away from Him. Oh, Lord, ah, and I'm sorry to pester you with this need. No, when you come to God in faith to receive what He made available to you, it gives Him so much joy. It gives him so much gladness. He gets excited when you come to him and say, Father, your word says I can be healed, so I receive my healing in Jesus' name. He gets pumped to see us walk in what he's deposited in us. So I want to look a little bit at this passage, these four verses, 17 to 20. The disciples come to Jesus, of course, they're they're excited. They're excited. Jesus is not surprised. Did you ever have somebody come to you super excited about something that you already knew? Yeah? Did you ever have somebody like, bro, guess what? Guess what? Guess what? You can get cheese on your burger at McDonald's. Did you know that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> this is one of those moments for Jesus. They come up to Jesus, guess what? Guess what? Guess what? The demons are subject to us. He said, I know. I arranged it. I set it up that way. They come to him excited. He's not surprised. Now, I love the way that he responds to them in verse 18. He said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Why does Jesus find it important to talk about Satan's fall in this moment? I believe it's because he wants the disciples to be reminded of his preeminence, to be reminded that he's the boss. Oh yeah, you're excited because the demons are subject to you? You're excited because you cast some devils out in my name? Let me tell you where that all started. I've been kicking the devil's butt for millennia. I watched him fall. I was there when he fell like lightning. He wants them to know If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Or you can tweet me, whatever you want to do. (laughs) He wants them to know that he was there the very last time the devil had significance. Jesus was present the last moment that the enemy ever had any significance. You remember that he was created. The Bible says his name was Lucifer, which means a being of light. He was, the, he was the greatest angel God had ever made. And he used to stand in front of the throne. And his whole, the Bible says his whole body, you can read about it in Ezekiel, his whole body was filled with all these precious gems. And his wings were like, were like timbrels and pipes, like a pipe organ. You ever seen like a big, impressive, imposing pipe organ? That's what was in his wings. And his body was fashioned from all these gems. And so he would stand in front of, he would stand before the throne of God. And as the light of God would shine through him, it would reflect and it would make all this beautiful color and all this stuff. He was God's like highest creation when it comes to angels. Now you and I were created in his image, that's even better. Amen. But as far as angels go, Lucifer was the top dog. And so, you know, we're, you can read about it in Ezekiel, and we're going to read about it again in, um, in Isaiah. But he starts getting a big head, saying, I'm going to be like the Most High God. I, I will ascend 
I will make my throne up in the heavens. I will be the Most High. He has this fancy idea that he's going to usurp God and kick God off the throne. And the Bible says there was a battle in heaven, and it was like a fast battle. Michael the archangel grabs the devil by the scruff of his neck and kicks him out of heaven. And Jesus said, I was there to watch it. That was the last time the devil was significant. That was the last time he was important. How many of you know the devil's not important? Hello? He's a loser. Yeah? Let's go look at that real quick. Isaiah chapter 14. This is awesome. Isaiah 14, 12. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down. Everybody say cut down. Cut down to the ground. Do you ever... ever work on your yard and, and go weed eating through your yard and you get past a big tall weed and you just you just buzz it down and it just just flops there on the ground that's exactly how god did the devil in this moment how you are cut down to the ground you who weaken the nations verse 13 for you have said in your heart i will ascend into heaven i will exalt my throne above the stars of god i will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet, you shall be brought down to Sheol. You shall be brought down to the lowest depths of the pit. Those, this is my favorite verse, those who see you will gaze at you and consider you saying, is this the man who made the earth tremble? Is this him? You know, there's going to come a time when you and I actually get to physically look at the devil. That's what this verse is talking about. There come, comes a time at the end of the age when Jesus returns with 10,000 of his saints and the whole thing's about to wrap up and we're about to enter into eternity. And before that happens, we get to have a glimpse at Mr. Puny, weak, defeated devil. And we're going to scratch our heads and go, is that him? Really? Wow. It'd be like Owen Wilson. Wow. Is that him? That little puny little imp? He's the one that deceived the nation. He's the one that caused so much turmoil and strife and anxiety and fear and sickness and disease and chaos. And is that him? One of the first things that you and I have to do or have to learn as we learn about our authority in Christ, one of the first things we need to do is quit being intimidated by the devil. Oh, I wish you could say amen a little louder. Quit being intimidated by the devil. He's defeated. He will Listen to me. He will always be remembered for losing. His track record for all of eternity is loser. Loser. Remember when you did this in high school? Loser. When I see the devil, when this verse comes to pass, I'm going to go like this. Ha <laughs> ha. Loser. That's the only thing he'll be remembered for. Remember, Jesus said, I saw him fall like lightning. I was there the last second of his significance. Now he's nothing but a defeated foe and will be defeated for all of eternity. 
The Bible says he's under our feet. Glory to God. You see, if you, if you want to learn how to walk in and exercise the authority that Christ has given to you, you have to learn to not be intimidated by the enemy. You can't be afraid of him. You know, you hear people say stuff. I remember hearing a, uh, a minister that I greatly admire was talking to some folks in his church, and he said, yeah, he's like, I never get sick. I, I won't get the flu when it comes around. And they were like, oh, pastor, oh, you just, brother, you don't just don't let the devil hear you say that. You don't want the devil to hear you say that. And he was like, yeah, I do. I want him to know he's not allowed to put the flu on me. I want him to know that I remember that he's under my feet. I want him to know that I'm confident in what Jesus did at the cross. I'm confident in his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension into the heavenly throne. I'm confident in what Jesus did. Let the devil hear that he's beaten. Don't be intimidated by he's a punk, man. He's a punk. He is. He's a little weenie. I remember hearing a story about Smith Wigglesworth. Smith woke up in the middle of the night, rolled over, saw the devil standing in his room. Wow. Wow. Saw the devil standing over in the corner in his room. You know what he did? He said, oh, it's just you. And he rolled over and went back to sleep. I remember Lester Sumrall. You know who Lester Sumrall is? He was a minister that's gone on to be with the Lord. He used to minister all over the world, especially in Asia and in India. And he was in Thailand one time. He visited Thailand and he woke up in the middle of the night and he said the, the curtains on his window went, you know, like something floated in. And he said his bed started shaking and his bed moved across the room while it was shaking. And he, he realized what was going on. He said, I command this to stop in Jesus' name. And the thing stopped and he said the curtains went back down like that and he looked around and Realized his bed had moved several feet. And he said, wait a minute. Come back here and put my bed back. You think I'm kidding? He said, come back here and put my bed back. And sure enough, he waddled right back into place and the thing went. You have authority in the spirit realm. Amen. It's, listen, let me tell you something. It's not weird. It's not weird. I'm not suggesting that we walk around casting the devil out of every item that we own. I'm not, don't, don't look for demons, okay? But know that when they show up, you got something to say about it. N know that when the enemy comes to knock on your door with sickness, you have a right to speak in that moment. Amen. If a thief comes and tries to break into your house, what are you going to do? You're going to welcome them in? Oh, hey, good to see you. Great. You know, the, the, the safe's over here. Hey, let me tell you the code. No. You're going to say, hey, this isn't your house. It's mine. Get out. Right? I mean, it's like so easy. It's so easy to grasp. Yet when the enemy comes with bondage, when he comes with fear, when he comes with sickness, when he comes with all kinds of torment, for some reason we just lay down and take it. But we ought not to. Because Jesus paid an amazing price for our freedom. Amen. Can I keep going this morning? You doing okay? All right. So the devil's a loser. He will always be remembered for his failure. Failure. Next time the enemy comes and messes with you, just remind him of that. Start there. 
hey, loser, remember how you lost? Do you remember the third day? You remember when Jesus rose up? for Just start to tell. Just, just read, get out your Bible and just start reading to the devil. Hey, excuse me, devil. I don't know if you can read or not, but let me just, let me help you. You know, on the third day, here's what happened. Jesus had been dead for three days, and he had gone to hell. And actually, from what I read, he kicked your butt in hell and took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And then, as if that wasn't enough, on the third day, he, he came back into his body, and he rose up from the dead. And then after that happened, he saw the disciples, and they had a cool time. And then he went into heaven, and he took his own blood, and he poured it out on heaven's mercy seat. And when he did that, I became a new creation in Christ. I, that the, the, everything that had to happen had happened for me to be saved and redeemed. And then later on, years later, I heard about this and I accepted Jesus into my life and he became my Lord and my Savior. And everything that happened in those three days became available to me. And so I just don't know if you remember or not, Mr. Devil, but you lost big time on that day and I know about it. See if your faith doesn't get a little stirred up when that happens. Go with me to Colossians chapter 2. I'm going to give you a couple quick verses that remind us of what Jesus did. Colossians chapter 2. See, if we're going to grasp this thing about authority, we've really got to come to terms with the reality that the devil's defeated. That's, that's 101. Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Glory to God. This is one that I love to remind myself of as frequently as possible. Jesus publicly disarmed and humiliated the enemy. When he rose victorious, as I just was saying, he came out of hell. He went into hell for three days for you and me to pay the ultimate price. And, but he didn't stay there. On his way out, he publicly displayed to the spirit world that the devil had been defeated. He disarmed principalities and powers. He took away their authority. That's what it means to have disarmed. So anytime the enemy tries to get you to believe that he has some sort of power over you, you remind him of this scripture. No, you don't have a say in this house, Mr. Devil, because Jesus disarmed you. You don't have authority. You don't have any power. Anything that you're doing right now in my house or in my family or in my job or whatever is nothing but a charade trying to get me to believe that you got some kind of power. Well, I'm not falling for it. He made a public spectacle of the enemy. Do you know what? You should too. Amen. You should too. He made a public spectacle of the enemy. You should too when he comes to your house. Amen. Psalm 110, verses 1 and 2. This is, a, this is awesome. Psalm 110, 1 and 2. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. Till I make your enemies your footstool. Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Do you know that the enemy has been, has been made to be a footstool for the church? Do you know what a footstool is? A footstool 
is like when you sit down and you prop your feet up on a stool, okay? Now, we could do this and see how strong my abs are, and I could see how long I could hold my legs like this, but just imagine for a moment that there's a stool underneath these feet. That's the position that the enemy was given. Footrest. Come on. Footrest. The devil is your footrest. The devil is the footrest of the body of Christ. My Lord said to my... Go back to verse 1. My Lord, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. The, these two words in the Hebrew are really interesting. The, word, the first word, Lord, see how it's capitalized? Or it's all in um, capital letters. And then the second word, Lord, are two different words in the Hebrew. The first one is the word Elohim. Anytime you see all four, word, uh, all four letters capitalized, it's the word Elohim, which means the Almighty God. Talking about the Father. Then he says, he said to my Lord, the second word Lord there is the word Adonai, which most often refers, refers to Jesus in a prophetic tense. So what this verse is saying, the Father said to Jesus, to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. So when Jesus rose from the dead, this is a prophetic verse that is foretelling what's going to happen when Jesus publicly humiliates the devil. The Lord said, the Father said to the Son, sit right here at my right hand and watch while I make your enemies your footstool. Do you know that the enemy is the footstool of the church. He's the, he's the footstool of the body of Christ. He lives under your feet. You need to believe it. You see, when you believe that, when you understand that, He won't be able to manipulate you anymore. One of the things that, that really, I mean this with no exaggeration, frustrates and causes pain in my life is when I see Christians that I care about abused by the devil. It bothers me. It rubs me the wrong way. It causes me to go into prayer on their behalf. It causes me frustration and, and pain. When I see the devil abuse you guys, when I see the devil abuse members of my family, when I see something happening that's contrary to Scripture, boy, it rubs me the wrong way. He's our footstool. He's weak. He's been disarmed. Got no power over you. If you're going to walk in this authority, you've got to understand that. This says that, sit at my right hand till I make my en your enemies your footstool. You all know Ephesians. We don't have time to really turn there. But you know Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 2 both talk about how this happened. Jesus rose triumphant and the, the Bible says God seated him in heavenly places far above principalities and powers. You can write it down. It's in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 20 and then over in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6 he says, and we've been made to sit with him in those same heavenly places. You and I are seated in Christ far above. All the devil's junk. Amen. Now, let's go back to Luke 10. I've got to hurry through here. I've been preaching for a while. Luke chapter 10 will return. Verse 19 is the verse that is so substantial. Y'all doing okay? You got a couple more minutes? 
All right. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now Jesus was saying this to the 70 that he had sent out, to these 70 evangelists, these disciples that he sent out. Let me ask you, this, this, was, this was before his death. This was during his earthly ministry. Let me ask you, do you think Jesus gave them more authority than he gave you? You and I are after the cross. We're after the, the ascension. We're after the, the triumphant exit from hell, right? We're, we're here after all of that's happened. Do you think that God would have given those 70 people more authority than he invested in you and I as the church? Heavens, no. No chance. No chance. If he gave those guys authority before they were saved, before they were even able to be saved because he hadn't died yet, if he gave them this kind of authority, what do you suppose he's invested in you? You're the blood-bought church of the living God. You're filled with the Holy Ghost. You're filled with the Spirit of God. You have more inside of you than Peter, James, and John did at that moment. Amen. Oh, praise God. I believe it. So verse 19. I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Now, if you were reading this in the, old, in the original King James, it would say, Behold, I give you the power to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. It's important. It's very, very good. Uh, oh, yeah, here it is. Check that out. We got both versions. Behold, I give unto you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. It's, it's, I love the way the New King James renders it and most of our uh, modern translations render it because they, they translate it more properly in the New King James. Behold, I give unto you the authority. It'll come up here in a second. Behold, I give... Ah, it's frozen. Oh, well. Behold, I give unto you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. Why is that so important? Because these are two different Greek words that are being used. The first is the word which means authority, and it's the word exousia in the Greek. If you're taking notes, you may want to write this down. If you're not taking notes, write it down anyway. It's the word, the word authority here is the word exousia in the Greek, and it literally means this. It means the power of choice. Liberty of doing as one pleases, the power of government or rule, the power of them whose will and commands must be submitted to by others and obey. It's like a, it's like a, a monarchy, a king. When the king makes a law, everybody in the kingdom just has to obey it, whether they want to or not. Why? Because the king has authority, right? Now, Jesus said that that was the kind of authority that he was giving to us over the enemy. He goes on to say, over all the power of the enemy. The word power there is the word dunamis. It means strength, power, ability. There's a difference and a very important difference that we need to make between authority and power. Y'all stick with me here, and then we'll get, we'll get through this, and we'll be done. There's a very important distinction between authority and power. The word authority, again, means authority like a king has. 
to, to rule and to decree. Then the word power means physical strength, power. The, the word is dunamis in the Greek, and, and we actually get our word in English, dynamite, comes from that word dunamis. So think, of, you know, think about how powerful dynamite is. It's explosive. right? So Jesus is saying to us, Behold, I'm going to give you this kind of kingly authority over all of the supposed explosive power of the enemy. Every time the enemy comes in and goes, Boo! You have authority over that. Amen. Every time the enemy comes and shows up to your life with fear, you have authority over that. No, 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 devil. I'm the one who writes the laws in this house. I'm the one who makes the rules here. I'm, I'm, I'm born of my Father. I've got the life of God in me. You're not going to come in here and try to mess with us. Is this helping you this morning? Let me ask you this question in dealing with the difference between authority and power. When the state trooper pulls you over, does he do it with power or with authority? Authority, right? I mean, he doesn't run you off the road. I mean, unless you try to get away, I guess. But he, they, don't, they don't, you know, they don't pin you to the guardrail. No, what does he do? He turns the blue lights on. And as soon as the blue lights turn on, you know, uh-oh. Shouldn't have been texting, right? Should have had my seatbelt buckled. Should have any number of different reasons. No, he doesn't pull you over with power. He has power, but he doesn't have to use it because he has something better than power. He has authority. Authority, write this down if you're taking notes. Authority is delegated power. Authority is delegated power. When Christ rose triumphant from the grave, we read about it in Colossians 2, verse 15. When he rose and he publicly humiliated all of the powers of darkness and you received of what he did, you made Jesus your Lord, you got handed delegated power. You got handed the same power that was in Christ when he made a public display of, all, of the kingdom of darkness. Amen. When I was a kid, my mom, I want, you, I want you to think about delegated authority for a sec, delegated power. When I was a kid, my mom could pretty much keep me in line with one phrase. Let me know if you, if you ever heard anything like this when you were a kid. My mom could keep me in line by just saying, wait until your father gets home. Right? Anybody ever? Do, are you going to shut up or do I need to get your dad involved? Hey, stop doing that. Or do I need to call your father? My, my mom wielded supreme authority by mentioning my dad's name. That's all she had to do. That's all she had to do. Why? Because I recognized there's some power in him. He was a lot stronger than me when I was a kid. I was a little afraid in a good way. I didn't want to double cross dad, man, because I, I I'd had the I'd had the spanking. 
I'd had the belt. I'd had that kind of discipline in my life. I'm thankful for it, man. I didn't like it in the moment, but boy, oh boy, taught me how to be a man. And I knew that if dad got involved, I was going to be in a lot of trouble. So that's all that my mom had to do was to just remind me, hey, dad's going to be home in a little bit, and if he comes home and you're still doing this, it's going to really be tough for you, right? Listen, when you take authority over the enemy, that's exactly what you're doing. You're not trying to conjure up a bunch of power and a bunch of emotion. Devil! You're not trying to do all that. All you have to do is, devil, wait till my dad hears about this. Wait till my big brother Jesus hears about this. Wait till I take this to the Father. You are going to be so sad that you messed with me. What are you doing? You are enforcing the power of God which has been delegated to you and it's called authority. Hallelujah. It's good to have power. It's better to have authority. Because to have authority means you are backed by something greater than you. Any thief can wield power, but only those who are authorized can have authority. Any petty theft, any petty thief can, you know, wield a gun and have power, but he doesn't have the authority that the police officer has. Why is that? Why do we have authority? Because we've been authorized to have authority. Our righteousness, our right standing with God is proof that He's invested His authority into our lives. The fact that you've been made righteous is all the proof you need to walk in the authority that He's called you to walk in. One more verse we'll put on the screen. I'll close with this. i got two minutes left. Let me show you what kind of authority we're talking about. Matthew 28, verse 18. Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus came. This is the last thing He says before He leaves earth. It's at the very end of the book of Matthew. This is part of the Great Commission. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority. Everybody say all. All I'll spare you the preacher joke right there that my dad would always tell about the word all. But Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. How much? All. What kind of authority are we dealing with here? We're talking about all authority. There is nobody that has authority in the universe apart from Christ. Think about that. Nobody has authority apart from Jesus. So when you and I talk about the authority that's been given to us, we need to realize it's this authority that Jesus was talking about. This is what He shares with us. This is what He has delegated and invested in the church. Amen. You've been seated with Him in heavenly places. You've been raised to be seated with Him, to be one with Him. 1 John says that those who are joined to the Lord are one spirit with Him. This authority that He shares, He shares it with you. He shares it with me as the church. 
We've we, we got to quit laying down to the devil, man. I mean, get some fire in your gut. And when the enemy rears his stupid, defeated failure of a face in your home, put him in his place. Put him in his place, man. No, devil, I'm not going to... I'm not going to deal with that nonsense. Trying to put sickness on my kids. Give me a break. Get out of this house. Don't talk to the devil passively. Man, come on. Don't talk to him passively. Talk to him like a dog that wandered into your house. Get! Get! I mean it, man. What if, a, what if a cat wandered into your back porch and came into your kitchen and just started eating your cereal? What would you do? Get the broom, man. Get that thing out of here. That's how you got to do the enemy, man. That's how you got to deal with him. He's under your feet. I've got to convince you about this. He is under your feet. The Bible said it to us six ways from Sunday. We, are, we have authority in Christ Jesus. The enemy is a loser and a defeated foe. Treat him like one. Don't have sympathy. Don't talk to him soft. Don't act like he's not there. Man, we were talking about this this week. You've got, listen, when the enemy comes and tries to start dumping a bunch of negativity in your head, try to depress you, try to drag you down, you can't think that stuff away. Don't try to get some mental leverage on the enemy. You've been seated with Christ in heavenly places. Open your mouth and tell him to get The Bible says in James, he's got to flee. Doesn't have a choice. Because remember, he's not trifling with you. You're just holding up the badge. You're just holding up the badge. Don't make me call my dad. Amen. Don't make me sick my dad on you. I got a badge here that says I'm authorized in the kingdom of God. I'm telling you, you got to take this serious. If you don't, you'll have the same problems you've always lived with. People often wonder, what's the disconnect? Why does faith work for some and doesn't work for me? Why is it that I can't seem to get healed? Why is it that I can't seem to get free in my life? Why, why do I carry around this same load of anxiety and depression? I'm done. Why do I keep carrying this load around? It's because more often than not, we're too afraid to talk to the devil the way God means for us to talk to him. Put that joker in his place. Remember, remember that you're seated with him. You're seated with God in heavenly places. The enemy's your footstool. When he gets up and tries to mess with you, you just get back where you're supposed to be. Get! Smith Wigglesworth. There's a story of him waiting for a bus. They were at a bus stop. Him and this lady. And they're waiting for the bus to arrive and this woman comes and stands next to him. She had just come out of the house that they were in front of and her little dog followed her. And the bus was coming down the street. It was about to arrive and she's saying to the little dog, okay, go inside now. And the dog's just, you know, rubbing up against her leg. She says, okay, time to go. Got the bus is going to be here. Set. Got to go. The dog just kept staying there, kept licking. You know. Finally, she looked at it and said, get! And he, he bolted. The dog just, 
just bolted right back up the stairs and went right into the house. And Smith, apparently, without even thinking, just says, that's how you got to do the devil, you know. That's how you got to do the devil. Well, he would know. He would know. That's how you got to do the devil. Put him in his place. Put him in his place. He doesn't belong in your house. He's not authorized to be there. When sickness and disease come, try to get on your children, put the devil in his place. Tell that junk where to go. When depression is there trying to drag you down on Tuesday morning, you tell that junk where to go. It doesn't, it's not, it's not of me. It's not of my family. This is not, this is not, this, this stuff is not from God. It's not in the kingdom. So I'm not going to tolerate it in my life. Bible says in the book of Acts chapter 10, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. It's the devil who oppresses. You've got to get it out of your mind that God is somehow working something out in your life by giving you the flu. Put that junk out of your thinking. You have a good father and he loves you with a perfect love. And he died to bring you freedom. He died to make you free so that you don't have to be a slave of the devil anymore. So when the enemy comes and tries to bring his nonsense into your world, you say, uh 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 uh, this is the kingdom, friend. You're in the wrong building. Get! I love that. I just love that story. Now we're going to talk in the coming weeks more about this idea of authority. We'll talk about practical ways that we can walk in it and live in it. You gotta, you've got to get to the place where you believe this and start to walk in it, start to act, about, act in it, right? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Let's stand to our feet. That's good enough. Thank you for letting me indulge myself a little bit. I'm going a little long today. I just looked at the clock on the back wall, saw what time it was, said, no wonder I'm hungry. I had a, heard a preacher say it one time. He said, y'all think I'm spiritual. He said, I just preach till I'm hungry. <laughs> Praise God. No, I get real passionate about this, guys, because I, I see the enemy influence people's lives, and I, I, I just go, man, that shouldn't be. That should not be. Jesus paid far too great a price for you and I to live in bondage. And so I, I am so incredibly passionate about this subject because we live it. We live it in our house. My kids know, don't you? My kids know when something's wrong, what, is, what does daddy do? Pray. Speak to the devil. to Command that stuff to get off. Amen. Say, well, what happened when it doesn't work? Come back next week and I'll tell you. We hope that this message inspired you and filled your heart with faith. If you would like to visit our church, check out www.highcountrychristian.com for service times and location information. Thanks again for listening to this audio presentation from High Country Christian Church, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.